You're listening to Red Center, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hello and welcome to Red Center number 58. I'm Mike Seymour, joined in the studio by Jason Wingrove. How are you, Mike? I'm good. Excellent. 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 I think I think we're going to aim to do a short show this week, as we broke all our download records last week. Um, I think it was with uh, two hour plus. So we, we've been um, we've self reprimanded, and we're going to give you a short show. So for those of you that are walking we'll, dogs and uh, driving home, we apologise. We'll give it a try anyway. We'll give it a try. No, we, we, it shows a lack of discipline on our part, <laughs> and we hate a lack of discipline. It's like like if you were shooting and you went into like I don't know four or five extra overdays. I never do that. No. Hmm. <clears throat> on a three-day shoot. Um, Jace, first and foremost, uh, to the news desk. And now, the Red Setter News. Mm, a subject close to my heart. The 5D uh, Mark II uh, firmware is finally here. Hell has frozen over. Uh, I can actually shoot 24 or 25 on my camera, finally. Um, yeah, it seems to be all work pretty well um there's a few little issues i guess the fact obviously we one of the main issues was yes we've added manual recording levels but uh how does it work uh you basically uh most of the new menus go under the live view sort of settings and then you can uh, select manual and then you this is obviously before you shoot select manual then you select a you get a you get stereo levels although you can't individually adjust left or right levels you just get you know a global level you, you for get stereo right. from having a stereo microphone or from having a yeah you have stereo uh, inputs yeah i believe the camera the camera mic itself is mono but you can have a, you can plug a stereo mic well, where in. do you plug the stereo into there's a 3.5 jack line in that is a stereo line in yeah oh okay oh of course there is all right yeah i believe so and uh, but yeah, you can't individually adjust left and right okay. at this stage. So you can um, adjust those levels, but then as soon as you roll, obviously that goes. You disappear completely. You have no idea what your levels are. So yeah, I kind of liken it to the fact that you gave me your keys for your car, but before you give me the keys, you smash all the windows. So you know, great, thanks. I've got this fabulous new functionality, but I can't actually go anywhere. So a little it. harsh. <laughs> I mean, you still do have the ability to shoot at twenty four and. Uh yeah, look, absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being picky, but um, yeah, the the manual audio levels will be great. I know you can't adjust them while you're recording, but you could. You know, you, they could have that sort of the blue zoom in, zoom out buttons could be your manual audio levels as you go. But I guess the uh, I guess what you, the option that you can do is then you can put a uh, a mixer like a Beach Text mi- mixer or some other external mixer that might have audio levels on it and set up well, that's the big thing. Uh, set it up the as you would normally yeah, do with it's it. not going to do auto gain when it goes quiet yeah absolutely look you know pregnant pauses absolutely look you know it's it's still fantastic but you just you just kind of find flying blind a little bit i guess you've got to give yourself a little bit of headroom in the audio levels and just uh, guess it or as i say you get a uh, a separate audio mixer that's got audio levels and then you can kind of match you know match your zero dbs or match your minus 12 dbs together so that you know the the level on your meter will basically match the level on the camera and then an external person or you can adjust those levels and and know that you know you get a, a, an external idea of your levels i guess and how do you find the uh the histogram display uh well it's great to have it you don't get it when you roll again the histogram is there for you to set before you roll 
Um, and it's great having it. It's a fantastic, fantastic guide because obviously you can't really judge exposure any other way. You can sort of, I guess, do a rough exposure guide by shooting a still or whatever, but it's, um, essentially it's a bit hard to judge just by chimping off the back of the LCD what the exposure is. So, uh, yeah, again, it's sort of set and forget. But, uh, no, it's great to have it. Uh, I mean, it would be better, again, if you could have a, something supered over the top of it. Um, but uh, it's good to have it. I mean, um, the problem is, is it a stills camera that shoots video or is yeah, it a well, video camera? And well, that's the thing. Point, Let's not forget not. this is still a DSLR, people. You know, we are still <laughs> trying to <laughs> get blood from a stone here. You know, we're still forcing a piece of technology completely designed to do a, another job into into this role. So I guess we're... Uh, but until there's another fantastic uh, solution for, say, shooting nearly 2K or more... Uh, full frame uh, in my hand for a sub 5k or you know sub $10,000 then this is still going to be it so I should just shut up Um, (laughs) and just be happy just be happy that they've allowed me to slow my camera down so, uh, but look, no, it's fantastic. Um, so, so, uh, so obvious questions, right? It hasn't crashed. There are no um, sort of obvious degradations that have been caused by doing this. No, it's fan- in fact, actually, it goes the other way. Your data rate just now goes up. I think it was 35 or so megabits per second. Now it goes up to about 47 megabits per second. So I think with, I don't know how they achieved that with the slower frame rate. It should be still the same whether you have many frame rates. The data rate, I guess shouldn't change somehow they've changed it along with the uh, audio um, audio data rate is is upped as well so hmm. or the audio recording frequency so yeah it goes up to 47 megabits per second or so so slightly better um, slightly less compression and thus I think that's sort of then matching things like the 1d is similar similar data rate for the, as the 1d I mean there's just no doubt about it I I love that camera I I find my 7D with a variable ND filter on it gets me as close as I can in terms of shallow depth of field and obviously has additional advantages of being able to shoot in like uh, bright sunlight with um, shallow depth of field but mm. but there is um, there is a God, almost a love affair I have with that 5D sensor especially for stills work and the trouble is I really can only I mean physically carry not that I'm like a weakling but you know just with the laptop and all the other crap that I carry I really can only carry one camera yeah so I'm going to be it's carrying pretty heavy with the 51.2 too yeah yeah that that lens may not stay on the front of that for long yeah might get sure. nicked by me <laughs> um but you know what I mean like you're only going to carry one camera and unfortunately I do just shoot video and stills I can't say yeah that. so in if in doubt I will take um because uh, I've got also a choice between taking a, a traditional 5D Mark One and a 7D, and mm. I'll take the 5D Mark One over the 7D if I have no chance of shooting video, just because I love those images so much. That full yeah. sensor is just everything. Yeah, yeah. So as just literally, you could just you know, as we talked about before, just grab, put a 50 fast 50 on, and just walk around all day. I'm still getting used to the video mode of it, and just literally shooting on what I think looks right on the LCD, and I'll play it back, and I think, Christ, that is as soft as a baby's ass. It's just like what am I doing? You know, I'm still getting used to the fact you do not have that optical viewfinder and it is definitely, you know, I pull focus for 12 freaking years and I still get this stuff this soft. I should be looking at the top of the lens, even just guessing it. You know, I'm getting horrendously out of focus time and time again. I think what I need to get into the habit of is, um, so the 7D that we shoot with video, 
and that's primarily all we do with it, shoot video, doesn't get used by one person. So quite often I'll pick up the camera and the settings, especially the mm. white balance and stuff, are in weird and interesting places, like because we shot Tungsten in the last shoot, and I'm out daylight. And I'll be like, what the hell's going on with this camera? And I realise that all the settings are kind of all over the shop. And that is, that is also a problem that... Uh, you know, only you are using the camera, then you pretty much know where you are. But if other people are sharing the camera, you really start buying into those two uh, user settings to try and get, you know, what you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also I keep forgetting. I keep having the... Uh, um, I mean, although what I'm shooting still is I guess I'm mostly using the RAW, but a lot of the time, just for fun, pulling off the JPEGs, I have the custom function, you know, have mm-hmm. the uh, picture style set for really flat. And uh, keep forgetting, and just keep going shooting stills with that, and it, it, I'm. Um, but that's not going to affect your raw files. No, it's not affecting the raw files. It's affecting JPEGs. But I just sometimes when I just want to shoot fun video and not sort of you know video I want to grade, I have to keep remembering to turn that. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I'm all for the custom settings, but quite frankly, if you're shooting something at a trade show or something, you're just not going to shoot on custom settings because you're only shooting on custom settings normally if you're intending to grade. Yeah. Which, of course, you would do if you're doing a commercial. I'm sure if I. Or a major Hollywood TV show, as we'll talk about in a moment. Yes, indeed. Hey, you're moving on. Last uh, week, uh, Jason and I had the uh, fun of going to an ACS uh, night here in Sydney, which was uh, terrific, actually. Yeah, look, that was fantastic. I mean, what, what was There's great about really it... There really good DOPs there. Yeah, there was some seriously good DOPs there. I, uh, I had a good chat with Andrew Lesney, who's, uh, you know, shop King Kong. He has a very shiny and, statuette on his and, shelf. And Lord of the Rings. For Lord of the Rings. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but there's, and, there was a ton of, ton of fantastic guys there. Um, the what was great is uh, something that I've been wanting to do for a long time because we've been seeing a lot of this MX footage come through. But it, to be honest, it's sort of meant nothing to me as a director. That's terrific that you know you can wander around at night and get really nice sort of city lights. But I had nothing to really gauge it by. So it was what was fantastic was you you had your MX and uh, there was a non MX uh, red one there side by side. So it was great to put the two together and show people really um, what the differences were, which were in, in quite outstanding a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, later in the evening, we actually, when we stopped shooting, because we we're shooting a lot of stuff for FX PhD in different uh, light, being tungsten versus daylight and uh, above and below exposures so that we could uh, bracket for uh, rating the camera. But then later on the night, we just turned the camera around at the audience and both cameras pointed at the audience. It was quite stark yeah, I in think an that was unlit the most, room. Yeah. yeah, that was the most outstanding thing. I think basically you had them both you had them both set to their native ISOs or even maybe both even set to 800 ISO. The uh, difference was outstanding. There was like five, six stops easily in it. You guys have, were basically wide open on the same lens, both on the 18 to 85s, wide open looking back at this unlit audience. And uh, the, you can get a perfect exposure wide open at 800 ASA on the uh, MX and uh, absolutely pretty much pitch black on, 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 the non, uh, on the non-MX body. And then I think to, to match them up, there was looking like sort of four or five sort of stops Basically, you had, uh, to, you had to stop down. Wasn't to, five, but well, yeah, there was close. a few. You had to get down to like five, six, eight, eleven or so to stop. Oh, I'm sorry, five, six. Yeah, you were stops. stopping, stopping down yeah. the MX to make it match the non-MX mm-hmm. body. It was yep. literally one was wide open, the other one was like eight or eleven, which was you know astounding. And there was a very different look as well. Did you work out what the difference was? Just have them both plugged up to the to the same monitor and just a being it. One of them, the non-MX, had a really crunchy. 
look at look, the contrast was way up. I don't know. Well, theoretically, they're all set exactly the same, exactly the same. We'd gone to a lot of trouble uh, actually to set them exactly the same to get the same lenses, mm. the same recording medium, uh, same mm. obviously lighting and uh, setup and angles and yeah. color so, imagery and uh, of course the same RC code. So RC thirty six on both. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we spent so, a lot of time switching things off. Maybe it was what the ISO was doing to it, but basically once you've set them up so that they looked the same in terms of exposure, oh, the non-MX was very much more crunchy. And I should add that we'd, we'd updated the yes, they're both running the same on the same yeah build. This was the first time we could do it because for the first time we had the same build on both, that's which true. was the first mutual build. And I think that's a bit, really valid point because prior to that, um, people were publishing stuff between MX and non-MX. And while I enjoyed seeing it and I appreciate members of the community that did that mm. i was like well we're not kind of comparing apples with apples because i don't know if that change is going to red color versus red space or whether that change is a sensor change and quite frankly both are such dramatic differences that uh that um you know it really was a matter of having to have them both on the same settings on the same build on the same everything to compare yeah no it was quite a staggering difference so it was really good for for, for a change to get them side by and side and while we're on that did you see that uh, graham natras kind of not didn't leak but said that there's going to be a new uh red film uh option so you know how there's red log and there's the ability to go out at uh pd uh, 965 and and you know the various logarithmic outputs they're going to actually come out with a red film mode right which will actually output so effectively, DPX relatively normalized stuff. The thing that everybody said they should have done in the first <laughs> day that they released the camera. Um, I haven't seen it. It's just been, uh, it was like a tiny one-liner in the middle of a sentence. And he said, oh, and by the way, for those of you that don't like, uh, you know, red log, we're going to actually do a red film uh, color space conversion. So that's really interesting as well, I think. So that's just going to essentially look really flat. Well, as a DPX file would. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Because the thing I think that's really interesting about um, the... And I think Red takes a certain amount of indirect credit for this, but there's been such an explosion of understanding of gamma, understanding of uh, linear workspace and uh, and logarithmic workspace. And I think that, mm. you know, it's, it's actually caused a lot of people to have to learn about it, thus demystifying it. Certainly for me, a lot of people now are much more interested in uh, compositing in linear space. They sort of can see linear space. They can understand that they're not doing linear when they're doing... Um, video where they always sort of assumed that video was normal and and film was somehow log they're now realizing that video is in fact gamut and we've discussed this before and of course film is is logarithmic yeah and uh so it's almost like because of the the huge uh exposure that red has given to so many kind of filmmakers that that whole area of color science has just been brought into the sunlight and thus there's vastly more understanding about it. i mean obviously there's still a vast amount of uh, misunderstanding about it and we try and clarify that whenever we can but um hopefully we're part of the solution not part of the problem but yeah i think just generally like a lot of people now are starting to really get some of the facts mm. that um that uh, happened because honestly it used to be in back in the day that uh trying to explain how an 18 percent gray card was actually 18 percent and not 50 percent and i said no it looked mid gray but it's actually 18 percent and people just could i don't understand why this is even this is never going to impact me in a million years shut up and walk away from me and now of course you say well this is linear and this is not and they're like okay can you explain that to me because i need to know what that is and i think that's great i think it's well, if you think of that whole chunk of technology that's uh, and 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 learning that's been removed from the chain, the whole concept of the laboratories essentially been moved out of there, and all of that 
technology and, and all of the learning that's gone along with that with printer lights and hazeltines and all that sort of stuff from you know mm-hmm. essentially that's been removed and now obviously everyone has a much much that's all been taken on board now by dps and post houses and, and, and i think so red isn't the only player in this it. because obviously what happened simultaneously as red was saying that is people were going hang on i get it now look at my raw file off my SLR, mm. uh, it's starting to make sense. And it was almost as if Red came along and said, this is what we should be doing in the video world. And then everyone sort of looked over their shoulder and went, yeah, actually, now you come to think of it, why are we doing it this way? And yeah. um, like, like, I think it's brilliant. I think it's really good that the community understands it more and is uh, more informed and just demystifies. I think there's still a bit of a way to go, but we've come an enormous way in like two or three years. Yeah, oh, look, I mean, it's, it's simplifying. I'm a bit worried about the Red film out thing now that's all of a sudden I thought well, we were simplifying really. things it, for a minute there. you are simplifying things because all you're simply saying is if you want to work in a DPX uh, workflow what we used to say was you know the response curve is best if you go out 961 and then drop it to exposure points right and that would give you a thing that looked like a Cineon file and I think what they're going to do is basically make a log format that tries to convert the red files from a lovely you know 12-bit linear color space to a pretty good 10-bit log scale that looks remarkably like a DPX so that if you have a DPX workflow, that makes sense. This is a, um, basically an output setting in Red Cine X yeah, exactly. so that you just, can export just another, DPXs. Yeah, because you've got a film pipe and that's what they want. Yep, I okay. Mean, well, yeah, it is simplifying things there. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think there's a problem at the moment because people are dishing the MX because they'd just gotten used to Baselight being able to read the R3D files. Yeah. And now they don't read the R3D files because... I mean, quite frankly, and I, I mean this is no criticism, but there are three things we want from Red right now, and, and I mean this with all due respect, in no way being you know a, a, a demanding child, but there are three things we really, really would like to see happen as soon as they can reasonably do them. One would be an SDK2 yep. that would allow the base lights and the Da Vinci's and everything else to go back to being able to read the R3Ds coming off the MX. Yeah. Two is unlocking whatever's going wrong with the MX upgrades that's causing MXs to not be coming out of the factory updated because they're going into a black hole and not coming out for whatever part supplier problem is going on. Yeah. And three, epic to ship. And a couple of people, I'm sure, are screaming at, the, at their speakers right now going, and Scarlet, but I'll take the first three and go for the fourth. <laughs> yeah, there's a, that, that is true. There's people, basically, most people that I know who are waiting for their uh, MXs are into 30-plus days now waiting in a bit of a hole with, 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 no real, uh, with no real word on when it's going to come back out. Yeah, I'm not saying it's like a petulant child. I'm not saying, like, you know, how dare you? I'm just simply saying those are, those are things that we really, the, the community... For whatever reason, expectation management, whatever, has got to a point where we'd really like to see a new SDK, more MXs hitting the market, and the first of the uh, the epic starting to roll out. Now, yeah. that being said, there is an NAB coming up. But hang on, uh, before we get to that NAB thing, I, I do want to jump back because I was about to take myself off on a tangent. Then, Jace, the other thing that we we skipped over from that ACS night yes. is um, looking at the Phantom Six Forty. Now, the Phantom 640, uh, for those of you that are not as familiar with the Phantom line, uh, most people would know the Phantom HD. Which is, which is me, which was me. Was you. So the Phantom HD is a really good high-speed camera shoot, say 1,000 frames a second, and, um, and it was producing 1920 by 1080 and still is. And this is uh, a new camera that sort of sits in parallel to that, uh, which is the 640. Now, I hadn't got my hands on a 640 up until now, primarily because they hadn't been in this country, but... Uh, Jace, whereas uh, Hurt Locker was had footage shot on the Phantom HD, yeah, 
uh, the Super Bowl had, I think, like I'm going to say nine or 11. We actually got um, an interview coming up uh, with uh, Feroz from Vision Research. But uh, about nine or 11 uh, Phantom HDs at, in the model of the 640 that were shooting uh, the sporting event okay. of the of the uh, Super Bowl. Now, the reason for this is... Versions, right. Yeah, and the reason why is, as you guys would know, the Phantom HD shoots high speed, it shoots it to a buffer of about 32 gig, and then that buffer can then be transferred up to uh, a mag, and the mag would hold the clips, so you would shoot, you know, several hours of stuff um, notionally. But the thing about it is, when you talk about shooting with the Phantom, you have to be really careful whether we're talking about real time in front of lens yeah. or record time in the camera because obviously at, at a thousand to one um you know five seconds becomes five thousand seconds and obviously uh those record times blow out through the roof now what was interesting about the phantom hd was that it produced really gorgeous images and was really really terrific but it did have a couple of workflow issues that um that have been significantly altered and improved in the 640 and the three that impressed me was, one, it's more sensitive, which, of course, is a big deal when you're shooting at um, yep. those high frame rates. Secondly, the frame rate's gone up to about 2,700 frames a second, which at, I've got to tell at you... 90, at, t- at 1080. At 1080. Yeah. Which I've got to say is astonishingly yeah, high. Yeah, and it looked fantastic. And so having a few extra stops in sensitivity on the uh, effective ISO rating of it. And by the way, you know, I, I spoke to Feroz about that whole ISO thing, and he, not I think off the record, but he sort of admitted that not in terms of vision research officially, but he personally could see why the whole move away from getting two transfix and what actual ISO is mm. uh, made sense. Um, and then the third thing that, uh, that it does, which is uh, really, really interesting, is that they stuck on two um, outputs, HD outputs on the camera, as you normally would, and one would be 422 and one would be 022 to give you 444 uh, HD video coming out. They did that on the Phantom HD, and that was a great thing, which meant you could sit there and watch your slow motion played back from the camera. But um, uh, quickly they discovered that for some people, that's all they wanted. They just wanted to play back that HD from the camera. They didn't yeah. actually want the high res files as raw format transferred up to the mag for later downloading, yeah. which could take a long time. We just want to play out through SDI, yeah, and yeah. record to record to external deck. But not only that, but they said, well. You know what? Even 422 is fine. I mean, in a world of sport, I don't give a rat's about trying to key something or all this other stuff. I need to see the shot immediately. And so one of the biggest innovations of the 640, which I thought was amazing, is that it can be simultaneously storing a clip, like somebody scores a touchdown. Mm. Um, but you don't sort of stop the camera and then walk over to the side and start loading stuff off and, well, that's it, I'm spent. In the sense that, to use an analogy, you would do if you had to change the mag in a stills film camera or a cine film camera. Mm. What happens is you can be running out the slow motion playback of the guy scoring the touchdown out one of those two SDI cables and then simultaneously uh, having the other one outputting a live feed for the DOP to have uh, for his eyepiece, which is a big difference if you think about it because let's say someone scores a touchdown. Okay, immediately someone hits a remote relay button that causes it to play that touchdown in slow motion. Now, the guy who scored the touchdown runs over, leaps over three guys up into the stadium and does this heroic leap in the air. You want that in slow motion as well. And if the DOP can't be seeing what's going on, yeah. he can't be filming it, you don't get that second um, piece of interesting footage. So a simultaneous play out and continue uh, monitoring what's going on uh, is why the 640 is such a really, really great camera for doing... Um, and I don't think the gold scores. does it, but it had a, that fantastic 
touchscreen control module with this had a brilliant jog jog shuttle control you could literally just scrub through the scrub through the shots really quickly and just play it out it was when you're talking about you know 2000 plus 2700 frames a second you know even the small five second shots we were doing were taking a long time to get through so being able to scrub through shots and quickly get to the actual meat um, uh, meat of the shot was just brilliant, especially if you're sitting around waiting, you know, on set to uh, you know get a, a go no go from Video Village or from you know just from yourself. So um, one of the other things that we we got into um, with uh, Feroz and with the guys um, happily at Vision Research is the work being done by. Robert Monaghan, who is Glue Tools. Now, Glue Tools um, is a company that does DPX uh, plug-in stuff, and they've developed, or Robert has, a plug-in for QuickTime that allows you to view the raw files of a uh, Phantom HD or 640. So at the, at the, in the non-live-action sports model, so we discussed mm. the live-action sports model, let's go to the other model where you do want that clip because, as, <laughs> as we did, uh, opening shaken-up bottles of... Um, Sparkling water, water, six or seven times. <laughs> <laughs> it was ma- fantastic that you did. Yeah, thanks, man. A brilliant job. Really appreciate brilliant it. Brilliant job. Just opening the bottle, opening the cap, plastic cap of a you know plastic in what liter bottle of, yeah. of, of shaken of, up, of shaken yeah. up mineral water. Just before the cap was even done, you could just start to see all the bubbles just materializing out of the water, just coming, forming, and it's just it's just bizarre that still slow motion is still such a beautiful beautiful. thing well we we had some good drps lighting that i would would, you know nicely backlit and stuff there was some very good drps lighting it but it was quite funny watching 15 people trying to light light things well it was funnier if you were me the hand talent being directed by 15 uh, academy award winning (laughs) um you know drps None of which was that actually a director. The the one director in the house. Yeah, well, you was, were like, you I was were like backing off. Back. <laughs> Just, I was like, Jace, Jace. Um, <laughs> so we were only up there helping out um, the guys from Vision Research because uh, we were uh, also had you know our, our reds up there. Um, but anyway, so the point about this is that if you want to go the other option, let's say that is a um, Schweppes commercial, you're shooting that for a hero pouring shot, mm. and let's hope you get better hand talent than me. Uh, you want to take that and you want to process it. Well, one of the problems at the moment is that processing that is a fairly laborious process. The glue tool stuff is a plug-in that allows you to deal with that natively in Final Cut, a bit like the Red Code plug-in gave us, uh, not exactly the same, but, but similar. Mm-hmm. And the reason I mention this, because it's a huge segue, is that Robert is going to hook up with us in Vegas and not only show us that, but he's been doing... I don't think this is... Um, I'm not giving anything away here. He's doing a lot of work with Ari. Uh, as well as um, uh, more stuff with DPX and the Phantom. So we're going to hook up with uh, the Glue Tools guys, or rather with Robert, in um, in Las Vegas. And he has something actually really, really awesome to unveil there, which I won't leak, but um, it's going to be definitely worthwhile. So that will be um, part of our NAB coverage, which segues to the fact that we're yes. <laughs> going to Vegas. We are, which we've been talking about, but uh, more details, and, and we will do. We've got another show before we, before we leave. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're obviously now. Essentially, we are going to be in the post pit. Let me find my uh, link here. Where is it? So Tuesday, the thirteenth of uh, April. Uh, we're on in the morning. Uh, we've actually got a uh, red center live, which we're going to do part of the show at ten o'clock in the morning, between ten and ten thirty. At ten thirty, we're going to be talking to. Actually, I'm going to be talking to Gen Arts, and then from two o'clock, uh, we really t- uh, get going. So the morning hour is kind of a warm up thing. Sure. 
from two o'clock, uh, we're going to start with what do you want to run through the speakers? Uh, well, we have uh, Ted Chelowitz from Red, who's uh, coming on board. Um, we've got some a red workflow talking to Jason Diamond, who's just finished posting uh, an all red film, which it called Exploding Girl, which is fantastic. Uh, we've got three D rigs uh, from Leonard. Uh, now Leonard Costa is going to be showing some three D stereoscopic stuff. Uh, we have um, uh, the Foundry coming along. We're doing some HDR video work uh, with Michael James, which should be phenomenally right. interesting. Yep. And uh, and also Peter Moxham, uh, who's uh, with the Renderman team, who's going to be, as as many of you would know, did stereoscopic uh, workflow stuff with us in FX PhD. And so we're going to do a little start with uh, Ted, work our way through rigs, work our way through stereo principles, the Foundry, which of course has done some really interesting things with Ocular, and then get into HDR and then into um, workflow. And that'll be happening all afternoon on the Tuesday. Now this is at the post pit. The way this works is that the NAB has uh, asked us to do this. So they're giving us a booth. It's like a 30 by 50 booth. It's in the South Hall. And uh, that booth um, on Monday will have members of the Final Cut users group uh, doing stuff on the booth. And on Wednesday, I think, I don't know who's doing it on Wednesday, but somebody else is doing it on Wednesday. They asked us to do uh, Tuesday. Mm. And we're not doing the middle of the day because uh, for, for a lot of reasons. So we're basically going to be in there in the morning for an hour. If you come either in the morning for an hour or in the afternoon, we have some amazing giveaways and we'd love to see you guys there. Definitely. Uh, but also we just like to hook up with people that have been listening to the show and um, we can discuss what happened on Monday Poker Night. <laughs> yeah. The Celebrity Poker Tournament. Yes, the Celebrity Poker Tournament that is uh, slowly building. Uh, Jason Diamond's going to be there now with his brother. And uh, Jason's our guy in the yeah, game. He is. I thought I'd go along and uh, film it and then about 15 seconds later be dragged out by uh, the security at uh, the Can casino. Can I film you getting dragged out of my security <laughs> on my iPhone? This is the, this is the high resolution. Stop me from the cards. Keep me away from the cards. I cannot play it. I'm just like the, the rookie guy. No, not at all. I'd be like the rookie guy uh, being taught how to play by John Candy at, in Stripes. Okay. So, so Jason Diamond's our guy in the pit. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're all back barracking for Jason. And uh, we hope that Happy he steals, steals everybody's money legitimately. Um, <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, we have, that's uh, Rodney Charters and... Uh, Philip Bloom. Uh, Phil Bloom and uh, Shane Herbert. And I'm sorry, there's another guy and there's another few guys. So there's... Uh, a, a and all the money that the profit... Is it profit? I don't know if it's, you call it profit. You know, the, the, yeah, any proceeds. That's or, going to the uh, relief fund for the uh, Haiti... Uh, cyclone victims. Yeah. So good cause, and that'll be on the Monday night. But we'll be doing a wrap up on that when we get to uh, Jason. If he's if he's not <laughs> out at uh, I celebrating, think it should be it, filmed. Uh, well, I think it should be filmed too with that crowd. We'll try and get uh, special media dispensation from the, the casino. So uh, yeah, that should be really interesting. So obviously, yeah, post pit that'll be fantastic. On Monday, obviously, we'll be working the floor, just uh, getting some interviews and uh, looking for really cool gear and collaring some people and dragging them to stage on Tuesday and gear with them, hopefully. So going to be some. Uh, it's going to be really great. I'm really looking forward to. It. I think that's going to be a fantastic, fantastic time. So um, is it true? Because I heard a rumor that um, just an aside, a rat hole. That um, house, which I love watching, is actually going to be moving to SLRs. Is that right? It, it's it. Yeah, it is a rumor. I've um, has has been somewhat confirmed. They want they want to shoot their last 
episode on 5D or Canon, I'll say at HDSLR, probably not uh, 5D. I'd say probably a bit more, bit more um, shooting friendly, probably 7D, particularly if you're probably going to be going with a lot of the PL mounts that are out there and using cine glass. Well, the reason I said that is because you said that, or one of us said that Rodney Charters was in the. Isn't he involved with that? Uh, I don't think he's involved with it. I asked him. I just I asked him if he uh, knew if. I'd heard this a subsequent oh. rumour that they were going to shoot... Was I not possibly, to say that? Sorry. No, no, I just heard another rumour that they were going to potentially, I guess depending on how that last step went, potentially shoot all, all next season on on, on DSLR. So, oh. uh, and Rodney had heard that too, so we'll, we'll see. Anyway, but I don't believe he's connected actually with the show. Okay. I don't I, my apologies to Rodney no. for that. Uh, but that should be interesting. I mean... I guess the question is, is this like this sort of deconstructing of the whole, the beginning of the end of sort of deconstructing the film industry as we know it? You know, I mean, is this cats and dogs living together and mass hysteria? Is this, is this what we're coming to? Why is that? What, what's, well, I mean, is, do you think the major cost on house, to shoot house, is in fact the camera rental? No, but I guess the thought might be, oh, we can shoot this on SLR, so we can have less crew, and oh, well, it's a really sensitive camera, so we'll have less lights, so we'll only have start having vans instead of gaffer trucks, and we won't have uh, we won't have a ten ton pan. One of the most successful American sitcoms that would be like the pinnacle of you know reselling uh, syndication. Mm. I mean, it just would not be worth your weight any way shape or form to risk the syndication rights on something like house by saving yeah. a few bucks on oh look i'm sure you only do it if it worked yeah well i guess you know they test it out on that that's what i'm saying one if the, the do it on the last final app and you know i'm sure they'll be you know in, doing it to the nth degree with you know the best lenses best rigs best everything and just trying to obviously doing it from a, a, the point of view of wanting to get that interesting shallow look um, I will say this. But if it pays off, I can't see why they wouldn't, you know, do it for the next season. And then every other show, you know, other shows are going to jump on the bandwagon. I just would hate it to s- start to trigger this, uh, you know, a, a reduction in crews. And, a redu- and I guess, I suppose, you know, 40 people getting employed would be better than nobody getting employed. You know what I mean? If it's a, it's a matter of we reduce the budget or we don't, we can't do the show, then obviously it's better that, you know, two-thirds of the crew keep going versus nobody. I mean, I'm not saying there's any doom and gloom about this. It's just it's just me wondering if this is the beginning of the end uh, look, <laughs> of, I, I, of, of crews and beginning, you know, DOP start pulling their own focus and, you know, it starts to everything starts to look like soccer mum stuff i don't know shut up i don't know I, i'm not i'm not <laughs> suggesting for a second that you shut up i just don't see the same gloom and doom i see it as a opportunity to have more cameras on set oh absolutely i hope it goes that way you know i mean, I mean quite frankly i've become really interested in multi-camera uh stuff and i don't mean multi-camera as in sitcom multi-camera but i mean uh there was a great talk by okay i've lost it um that i went to about shooting multi-camera with like seven or eight cameras on drama and even on what would be a you know two people talking around a table type stuff shooting three four cameras on Mm. footage like that and that will be an enabler for many people i don't think it's going to cause dops to pull their own focus because i honestly just don't think that you know like it's i I think means that everything can be a bit lighter 
that you know you don't have to have the same weight of everything to physically you know lift a camera on a rig no longer needs such a big jib arm you can do it with a smaller one yeah of course i mean but, it touches on all of those things shane herbert was talking about a yeah. couple of eps ago the fact that you know you can go with with more cameras and have more setups and more uh you know more angles and more coverage um, I suppose. But uh, if yeah. you're listening to this and you haven't looked at a house in a while, just go to episodes one and two, part one and two of the current season, which I think is season six, and have a look at it in terms of its cinematography. Because the first two eps, uh, which were in a, uh, a sensible mental health hospital, uh, I'm going to say, and I say mental institution because it conjures up some sort of like weird um, cuckoo's nest kind of uh, thing, but you know, no, seriously, uh, you know, normal medical. Um, place for people that have uh, mm. issues that was so well shot so well done and so well lit i thought yeah uh, i just can't see any organization that's willing to devote that and go that far off their normal track of you know doctor in hospital patient comes in we try six things none of them work and the last thing we try works and wow yeah the rest. i'm sure it's just they're not they're just not calling straight it. replace of the camera body and just getting a better look i'm not sure what they're actually shooting on at the moment um, oh, I think it's on film. I, I, oh, well, I, I say that. I thought I it was on know, film. Because, I mean, if the they're trying to go for wrong. a shallower look, is what yeah. I've heard, then you're not going to get any change from going from, say, F35 or, 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 or 35 mil to going to 7D. Maybe it's 5D is where they're after. And they're just trying to go... They are on, maybe they're on F35 or 35 mil at the moment and uh, just want to do an app on, on 5D. Anyway, speaking out my ass on a rumour of a rumour, but... Uh, I guess I'm, yeah, being the, the voice of doom. I'm sure they're just going to, you know, replace, you know, a straight swap over of camera and everyone's going to continue the same roles. And you still, you'd still need, if anything, you know, it becomes all the more critical, all the more critical in the lighting, all the more critical in exposure and focus and everything. So it becomes actually harder. So, yeah. Anyway, time will tell. That'd be great. Just great to see anyway a whole, a whole episode being done rather than bits and pieces or rig cameras or second unit. So they're shooting on... Uh, ingenue lenses on Arri cams and on Panavision cameras and okay. they're shooting on a combination of Super 35 and HD Cam SR which is of course the Genesis mm-hmm. um, for a you know standard 16 by 9 kind of um, space so yeah. look I, I think um, yeah. yeah I guess they're going to go 5D for a shallow look if you had a Genesis production and you went to a 5D production especially if you're doing location work mm. you would just dramatically reduce the amount of haulage Mm. You're just not you're not having to like lug stuff right, left, and center. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's glimmer. Just put it out there. Hey, um, while we're talking about stuff and we've suddenly completely randomly jumping around, I want to randomly jump back um, because there was this discussion going on about uh, shooting uh, with the clean HD SDI feed out of the red camera in the new build. Mm. And now uh, we're having this discussion before we went on air. My, my thing with this is that everybody's kind of... Well, not everybody. A lot of people are excited by this, and I don't have any problem with them being excited. But I just wanted to flag that... Uh, well, why don't you explain what it is first, and I'll flag my problem. Okay, well, obviously, with Build 30, Beta Build 30, you can get a clean uh, vision out of the HDSDI ports. Uh, no markings or any info. You can have a nice, clean... Uh, I guess it's 1080p. I don't know. You can tell me in a second, Mike. Um, but essentially, the idea then became that rather than going to... Uh, CF card or red drives, you could then spit straight out to a um, nano flash or an S external SR drive, or essentially 
you know, hook them, hook five reds and up to a live truck and, you know, get that red look live to air. And, and, and I think that's great. I think it's another interesting way of, to do of thinking. Yeah, the, and I'd have no problem with that other than uh, they're outputting basically 30 frames a second. Um, or it basically comes out as, to want a better term, NTSC video or PAL video, although it's not obviously mm. that resolution. But you're, you know, 2997, 29, you're not coming out 24, you're not coming out 2398. So regardless of what you're your Unless shooting you're rate shooting is. in 50 hertz in which case you'd come out at 50 right okay um, so if you're shooting 25 or 24 frames per second the feed is not 24 or 25 no you're shooting you're basically getting out video that would be compatible with video gear yep. so think of it that way so you mm-hmm. can it's a higher resolution at 720p or it's 1920 by 1080 when you're playing back from the um from the recorded material but it's not coming out at the native frame rate that which is not the end of the world um but your example of a multi-camera feed on a truck is a good one because that may be for something i don't know um, mm. i don't think it's really designed for sports but you know what i mean like something which is more maybe it's an interview that you're mixing live uh, in a tv station with um, a bunch of people at a desk doing a kind of panel discussion and you want to mix it live and it's fine because it's for television and you don't care you don't if want you had to a live filmed. concert if you were shooting a live concert with uh, a gig with five, with five or six reds you could be recording everything to drive for, you know, your DVD edit, proper DVD yeah. edit, but you could then be putting the 60Ps out into a live truck just for the, the concert feed. For the, for the just, giant Jumbotron. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point, yeah. And the Jumbotron would want something like that because the Jumbotron isn't going to want 24. Right. So it's good. And, and the great thing about it is just not having the menus and everything else on it. It's a clean feed. Mm. Um, I just don't think it's quite the... Uh, it's not everything... And won't be everything to everyone. No. But, hey, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely okay. So there's definitely limitations going that way. But you know, anyway, it's an interesting way way to go. And I, obviously, it, it is also just nice having nice clean feed out of out of off the video village anyway. I mean, they're kind of used to it with film cameras seeing all you know crosshairs and safe you know um, safe titles and safe actions and uh, footage and frame rates and all that sort of crap but it's quite nice to give some people you know this nice cinematic looking feed now we're we're, we're an hour in and we're only on half, like two thirds of the way two fifths of the way through our, yeah. our notes we're going to need to move along might need to drop some shit but anyway we'll, go, we'll see how we go well let's quickly knock off a couple of these uh, other items um, red one up for sale number eight uh, number eight and London, which is the, uh, the one of the prototypes. Mm. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this. I think that they'd be worth a lot more if you um, could buy them and get a place on the Epic queue. Or, or do you? Are they worth a lot more? Basically, Steve Gibby from Cut Four TV is selling his first two reds, number eight and London. So London was actually a pre-release, not even out to the public. This is one of the, you know, the city bodies. So this is essentially like Prague and all of the other sort of pre-release bodies. So this is like literally is a piece of red history, even though the history is only two years old or so. <laughs> but, um, I mean, this is interesting just because uh, Jim had a, a thread a while back about uh, what are these bodies worth, you know, like like Elvis and the early um, Boris and Natasha kind of prototypes that were like for crossing the line. Essentially, a lot of those bodies are now exist in the vault. You know, red red one, number one, that's like in the vault. And, you know, it, Jim kind of, I guess, sort of 
imagine that uh, some of the early bodies could be worth anything up to you know a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And um, somebody said that thirty-one was one hundred and seventy-five thousand. Where'd that number come from? I got me, and I'm not quite sure because why. Because we, we have twenty-two. So yeah, if you're you telling 22. me that I can get like retire <laughs> like a hundred grand for that camera for number twenty-two. As long as I can get an Epic, you can. Ha- somebody wants to give me a hundred grand for twenty-two. As long as I can. Uh, get an epic i'm going to be sorely tempted well i mean yeah i've got this great quote here from jim it was nab 2006 was historical we took deposits from a couple of hundred folks on a scam they bet on a long shot and they put down a thousand dollars on something uncertain there was this moment in time that will never be duplicated stories make history history makes historical value and i remember offering every one of those first 25 people uh, to give up their place for five thousand dollars plus an airfare uh, at that first day, red yep. day in 2007. I was one of those people. Yep. Uh, nobody accepted. So, you know, numbers 6 to 25 are special in the history of red. And when the book gets written, the names of these people will go down as the brave first adopters. Cool. Does that make your heart glow? It does. I still would sell 22 for 100 grand as long as I can get an epic. <laughs> um, but not because I don't like red, just because, uh, I mean... We use these cameras. We love them, but we use them because we're in business. We're not, you know, we're not yeah, like... Yeah, exactly. We're tools like, and, you know... We're not like rich kids who are just playing with toys. We use them to make money exactly. and shoot stuff. This is and, a tool. And that's, you know, Steve's obviously selling his. He's going yeah, you know, to upgrade stuff. Yeah, if Steve was getting 175 grand, I'd say sell it. Well, he has no price on these cameras, so it's up to... It's, is it's, it on it's, eBay or something? Um, no, I think you... Uh, I think you have to sort of basically contact him direct. I've got links in the show notes to uh, for him going via a red user, uh, DM him basically because he has no prices and obviously like everything, something's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So you'd have to think though that there'd be a point at which he just wouldn't let him go. I mean, you know, like someone oh, offered him, absolutely, of course, someone offered him ten grand. Oh, well, so just stupid because you know, like regular, regular off the off, you know. M- Number two hundred and whatever bodies go, for, you know, for thirty thousand go for more than what they're what they're what they or the same as what they cost at the beginning. So you know, red ones essentially going for the same price as they were bought or near enough. Um, particularly, obviously, if they're executable to become epic. Well, this will establish the market, right? Because this this is up until now we've not had this kind of high profile kind of thing. So yes. this will, I think, set the. Set the market and let's see what happens. Yeah. Hey, um, let's move on because we want to. Yes. Um, uh, are we up to the point of you? Oh, I think you wanted to flag the fact that there's some MX downloadable stuff that people want to. Yeah, well, a lot of that uh, fantastic, you know, dusk or early light uh, chopper shots, the gorgeous stuff uh, on MX, the first MX shots that we saw essentially on the red days. Uh, what's fantastic now, Red's uh, posted these uh, shots. Um, you can basically download the raw R3Ds. So obviously if you don't have access to an MX camera but you want to start having a bit of a play with um, Red Cine X and what, what's what's possible with these files, you can uh, download them now. So link to the show notes, but obviously also on Red User there's a whole thread on uh, the MX R3Ds. So that's fantastic. Thank you guys for posting those. That's terrific. There's a lot of people who, you know, obviously it's really hard to get your hands on MX footage. So if you want to have a bit of a play, that's terrific. Well, let's uh, shift gear, gears to gear. To gear. And now another chance to waste more, yet more money. How much cash are we going to spend on uh, Red One menu guides? You mean, I mean, <laughs> you don't mean that. You mean iPhone apps. iPhone app. Well, yeah, a menu guide for your for iPhone. iPhone. 
Um, yet another one. And actually, this is really interesting, which is why I'm posting it. How much is it? It's actually it's ten bucks. Okay. US. <laughs> so it's twelve dollars Australian yeah. or so. Uh, which is a bit of a, a little bit of a stretch, but um, so far a, it's the best a, one. This has out a there. focus chart. In this has focus charts and guys to false false color and everything. But what obviously there's like 200 or so menu items in this thing, and so I can oh, never. Really? Let, I mean, just say that you're a director that doesn't have a DP with him, <laughs> and you're trapped in the back of a car trying to shoot. Uh, tracking footage with no camera assistant and uh, just say you're in a rush for a meeting and you're running out of light and I mean if you're really not sure where this particular menu item is what would you do? Um, You'd press a lot just, of buttons just, looking just, for just, it. Just, just, just say. Just, um, just, you know, just hypothetically. Sure. Um, the uh, What's great about this is that every single menu item is all listed alphabetically. You can word search for it. So if you're looking for shutter, you don't have to look through the menus on an iPhone to work out where the menu is on the iPhone. You can search for under S for shutter or just put a key- keyword in there. Everything's alphabetical. But, but, but in all seriousness, this is going to live and die on how quickly they keep it up to date with the versions of the software that are coming exactly out, right? right and today i just downloaded they have uh at the moment i'll have to check on my phone but uh, they've got 30 point there's uh, all the menus there for the beta 30.4.1 is all there uh already plus the latest uh, release build 20 or so whatever it is 21 um uh so yeah, it's got a guide to all the false colours, where, where the false colours sit. You know, pink is for Caucasian skin and, you know, that sort of aqua is for minus three stops. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you for one second. Even though I think this is actually a really good app and I, I just can't take it too seriously because... Come I, on, Mr. No, Red I, Menu, no, tattooed into your DNA. I think it's really good. It's just that I like one of the quotes. You know how they have, like... A, endorsement quotes you know like i use this thing and it saved me you know 500 hours the one the, the first one on the webpage yeah is i haven't got my red yet <laughs> right but i really like this app i think it rocks like well, how would you know you don't have a red cool can you get somebody that at least has a red all right well don't take that comment seriously sorry right. but um yes yeah, so but what is, it, where, would okay but you should give us the the name of it the, it's okay it's called right. vis-a-vis i guess v-i-s-a-v-i-s it's um if you go to red dot uh, very nice. Very nice industries is the developer. So red dot very nice industries dot com, um, and the, obviously if you search for vis a vis at uh, on iTunes in the App Store, you'll you'll get it. But I just think it's really good. You know, it's much. A lot of the menus, you know, menu apps before have been quite good. And I know I'm a bit of a sort of stickler for these things and sort of crap on endlessly about these things, but. You know, sometimes if you're in, a, in a, if you're assistant and you're trying to wade through, and you know, wade through these menus trying to find stuff, it's increasingly getting getting bigger and bigger. So I, I, if I you can, I, and you can bookmark some of them, what stuff that you more regularly use. You know, anyway, that's the focus. It's got focus charts which you can actually zoom up on your iPhone. It's, so the resolution uh, of the screen got, is what? <laughs> it's quite good. You should should look at it. It's pretty. Okay. It'll, it'll, it, it could be handy. So, uh, so just a general note to iPhone developers, if you really want to get on this show, send a press release to Jason, not me. Uh, not that I dislike you or anything, just that I, I, it's not, I don't get as room. enthusiastic. You can find the gear for iPhone. next month, I'll tell you. No, you've got some really not good easy. gear. You've got some really good gear coming up in, in this nature of gear that I actually want. Okay, actual gear. So, right. so you get the iPhones. If someone wants to give away free 
testers get Jason the and oh, a note to people if you have an actual iPhone app perhaps maybe send us the code to download a free one so I don't have to buy it for ten dollars actually I, I got a really good uh, stereoscopic one but it isn't released yet but when it is I'll plug it excellent um this is all going to look better on the iPad too that focus chart is going to be a cracker on that I, crappy look, screen I'm that already I'm already got. lusting after the iPad um hmm and maybe uh we may have to do a um pilgrimage to the nearest apps i i uh, apple I haven't store ordered one yet no i haven't i've ordered got one, one waiting yet. for me it, it'll be with us in yeah. nab because it has the teleprompter option have you seen uh, this uh yes your iphone controls the teleprompter which is the ipad and uh, yes i've got to go and see those guys i'm trying to think what the pro prompter i think uh, make yeah. that and I, I already <laughs> i've already ordered the ipad <laughs> yep you can get the you can get the software off the app store i'm pretty sure it's called pro prompter but, but get to the uh, good, uh, good okay gear. right right okay so this is actually uh, a friend of mine and uh, this is actually some local guys in i say local as in australia uh rag products uh which is um, co uh, a co opera i suppose of uh, robert aganis who's a local steadicam guy who was the steadicam operator on predator and a few other things he's made his own steadicams a uh, beautiful steadicams and now machines up some fantastic uh, accessories for red and film gear uh, and it's uh, also in in link with uh, lester bishop a grip a fantastic grip he's really great at uh, a grip with his own cnc machine cnc lathe uh carbon fiber autoclave uh you name it these guys can crack out some stuff so um rag products r-a-g-g products.com uh, they do a really nice red one EVF bracket for your viewfinder. So not only does it uh, just clamp straight onto the existing, it's like, almost like a quick release bracket onto these top rods, uh, and also has uh, an eyepiece leveler, which is just beautiful. I love I love eyepiece leveler, and that's really nicely beautiful made quick release to uh, get the um, eyepiece leveler off or on. Uh, very nice, just very nicely machined and nicely made, and very simple. To click on, click off. Uh, if you're going to put it on a steady cam, whatever, you can just click all this stuff off. That's fantastic. 985 bucks, an extra 320 for the IPs leveler. They makes a beautiful six. You're smiling at me. No, I just, I just like that now that we now that we got our certificates from Steadicam School that we're like promoting Steadicam. Op, you know because. Because we're steady cam ops. Well, you're just all about getting that bloody camera light as you can. Oh, it so is. It's all so that, true. So get all that crap off it. Get that bloody viewfinder off. Who needs those focus motors? Uh, it makes a really nice machine, 6.6 matte box. What's interesting about this... Have I spoken to you since we were on the island, shooting on the island? Uh, no, you... I don't think you have. Because we were on the island. I'm just telling you, because this is steady cam red. We're yeah, shooting with the got... red in the MX on the steady cam on this island in the middle of the harbour because we're doing low light tests which is all going into FX PhD. And suddenly this this thing was deserted, right? We we booked on this, this island. This is Cockatoo Island. Yeah, right? we booked on this island on the pretext that we were going on a Monday night when there was no one there. Yeah. And they literally said to us, Look, we have this campground. Uh, some nights we have like forty people. Tonight we have three, which is you guys. That's it. So you've got the whole island. There's one security guard that wanders round, uh, but other than that and it's a disused shipyard. Yeah, so this is a disused shipyard. It's in the middle of Sydney Harbour, It's where Harbor, they shot right? Wolverine. It's a huge thing, right? Right, and, and they've turned it into... And there are tunnels going through the mountain so that you don't have to lug stuff over the hill and down the other side. So it's really cool. And so we're shooting at dusk in Sydney Harbour with a red on a steady cam and, and... In a campground. No, well, not a campground. On the, uh, the disused shipyards, right? Right. And at this point, the army decided to do tactical helicopter training exercises, <laughs> flying 
uh, with you know the doors open on uh, what are those attack helicopters in uh, low flying yeah. over the buildings as if they were dropping commandos for a you know hostage situation because mm. obviously someone had worked out there's no one there so no one's going to complain about the noise and and so we were just dropping there. them on the island yeah right at the building that oh, right, next okay. to where we were filming oh, like, okay. <laughs> and so we were like at a red with a steady cam there it was like it was like cue the helicopters you know dun, 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 dun. so how far away were they from you well, we were in the downdraft. I got this great footage of these <laughs> No, I have not seen this footage. It's, it's cool. On the MX. Ah, oh, hysterical. It was really cool. And, and it was so funny because I, I could, we were close enough. We could see them looking out the window at us going, why is there a crew down there filming this with Terrorists. Us? And it looked like a professional He's got crew. a minigun. He's got one of those guns from Aliens. Yeah, okay. No, I didn't think that. But it was very funny because... And then we didn't know what they were doing, right? So we'd be like, okay, we'll start filming something. So we started filming something. And we heard them coming back. So stop that. Quick, get over to where... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were behind barbed wire fence. We weren't in any danger or anything, but it was... God, it was fun. Uh, so you know how loud those helicopters oh, are. Yeah. But they come flying in at a rate of knots. And of course, mm. as it's all It'll this be, year... Uh, Seahawk, Blackhawks. Yeah, it mm. was cool. I don't know what... I don't know my helicopters well enough. I just know it was very cool. I've got to show you that footage. It was great. Seahawks. Excellent. But I figure that awesome. it's, you know, it's open and slather, right? Like if you're going to fly attack helicopters <laughs> you know, on training exercises... <laughs> You know, I don't need to get permission, right? Like this is a camping ground, though, right? It's not a camping ground. Well, it's, they it, allow camping. They allow people to camp on one side of the island. We're on the other side of the island in the disused, very cool industrial sure. shipyard. Yeah, sure. Okay. It's a very uh, you're allowed to be there. You're allowed to be there. Valid place to be. Yeah, yeah. You're allowed to be. Yeah, there. we spoke to them. We said we want to test this new camera out. Can we come out? There was going to be a fee. We convinced them that we were an educational but institution. There shouldn't be a fee, are, and there was no fee. And then we sure. took out a whole lot of steaks and some beer. And well, actually, we bought beer out there because you're allowed to take stuff out to the island. <laughs> but you can buy beer there. Yes, and uh, sat around, you know. Drinking, eating steaks, filming attack helicopters on a red on a steady cam. It was great. That's pretty good. It's my idea of a good time. Sounds excellent. Fucking Didn't really bring the wife then, I imagine. Uh, it was more of a boys' thing. Right. Yeah. Excellent. More of a bloke bonding oh, exercise. Oh, that sounds good. Well, we might have to get a screen. We're doing HDRs and you know, it's great stuff. Excellent. Oh, so that's a PhD. Well, I might have to get a couple of screenshots for the show. Because I, in case you didn't notice, really like my job. <laughs> I mean, no, really, I do. Yeah, it's excellent. I'm obviously, you know, planning, going and planning uh, a camping, uh, steady cam camping beer festival is what you do when is what you do when you love your job. Yeah, we were shooting like at midnight, and there was like uh, it's great. Excellent. Right, I'll try and grab a couple of screenshots of that for the show notes. Okay, back to the gear very quickly. So uh, Robert makes a brilliant uh, 6.6 uh, matte box um, that will go 15 mil on 90 mil rods. What's interesting about it is that uh, you can adapt it quite quickly to clamp on. So clamping on a 6.6 matte box on the front of a lens is brilliant. Uh, and also what I guess essentially the filter trays stack on so you can essentially l- make it really light with one little filter tray and a carbon fiber lens hood or stack them on keep keep adding filter trays and uh, make it turn into quite a big thing we, we actually put the variable ND on the actual 18 to 85 right yeah, like a like a circular 77 I think it is 77 mi- mi- mil fits yeah. on the 18 to 85 yeah I think it was 77 mil well, it was either yeah yeah you've got a 77 yeah and uh, it was great because, of course, variable ND is exactly what you want on Steadicam um, because there's no weight and it's so easy to, to, to adjust it. When attack helicopters <laughs> come over the hill and you suddenly need to change exposure. I don't know how the Steadicam, Matt went on the Steadicam there because Steadicams love wind. Um, well, I'll show you the footage. Okay, prick. Good. 
<laughs> See how well he did. That is the ultimate uh, steady cam score. Uh, okay, let me just finish this for a sec. Okay, and he, have, you're still going on about No, these. he's got one more. He also uh, adapts uh, yeah. Arri FF2s, the older follow focus, uh, which basically slide on and off the rods. He does a quick release conversion for those for like 500 bucks, so you can then just snap them on and off like like a new one, just like a bought one. Okay, I'm done now. Thank you. <laughs> So that's about it for this week. Um, we're going to just get in under the hour if I don't take off any more asides. Um, except for we're going to do our Twitter shout-out. Yes. Um, yeah, okay, this one is for Tom Lowe, who's out there out there in the wilds of... Uh, I'm not sure where he is. I guess he's out in the Californian desert uh, filming um, a lot of time-lapse. Uh, Tom, you probably would know... You may not necessarily know him, but you may know his work. Timescapes.org is his website. And he did just the gorgeous. Awesome. If you've ever seen uh, his uh, Learning to Fly uh, clip and his other one, Mountain Light, essentially what he's now working on is a long-form or a um, feature-length version of this. Uh, sort of kind of scutsky, yes. Yeah, exactly. So um, stop-motion uh, feature, essentially. Every once in a while stop you, motion, you come across time lapse. Like Tom where you kind of go, I'm not worthy. Because honestly, the, 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 everything about this, not just the fact that it's beautiful countryside, but just the framing, the lighting, the... Mm. And he does sort of amazing stuff where he literally just does does it out of the side of his truck, you know, just shoot it, it out of the, look like it. Uh, the side of his ute. And it looks like... I said, dude, what is that massive uh, motion control track you've got? Like where, you know, it looks like you've done a motion control tracking shot for four kilometers. Said, oh, I just put it out the side of my truck and drive real slow. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. So, look, um, definitely go check it out, timescapes.org, and he is Timescapes on Twitter. So, so thanks, T- Tom. Um, I got that? a really nice tweet from him the other day. Basically, he was saying... Actually, I didn't get that tweet. I can't remember it. But uh, basically, he said he was sitting by the campfire um, while a shot was happening in progress, uh, you know, basically in the desert in the middle of the night, listening to uh, Red Santa. So, that kind of tweet just makes my heart glow thank you so if you are a regular listener and uh you're on twitter you don't have to be but if you are um then send us a link and uh i've actually got that tweet it says nice red center we're listening beside our campfire while shooting time lapse under the stars interesting stuff from stew also Oh, I think it was like 15th of March. So we appreciate that, but it's not just because yeah. you mentioned us, yeah, it's because you your work is just so amazingly good. And the tweets are interesting. So that's, that's what it's all about. Make. Uh, I think you're the same as me, right? We tend to weed out the tweets that are, you know, saw awesomeness. I have my stupid moments of, hey, check out this stupid I, thing. I use Facebook. John put me on this. I put Facebook for personal stuff like really, you know, like I saw... I saw Alice in uh, Wonderland, mm-hmm. and so if I'm posting some, you know, funny comment that I think is funny anyway about Johnny Depp growing up from Edward Scissorhands and getting a profession, then I'm going to put that on Facebook. And if I've got uh, a serious comment about the stereoscopic or the faults of the stereoscopic workflow in something, I put that tweet. on Twitter. Yeah, so I don't know about you guys, but that's what I do. And so a lot of people we, we flag in these um, people we follow on Twitter stuff are people in the industry. And I would say now I've pretty much got rid of most of the people that I was following that aren't industry. Um, but there are people that we've mentioned before that, uh, mm. you know, 
Rocket Scott and all those guys from last week that are just great for flagging when new stuff comes out. So, yeah, uh, Timescapes definitely falls in that category. Fantastic. And we will be catching up with Tom uh, when he's completed his film. Uh, I was going to catch up before, but it would be much, much better to catch up with him when he's finished it and we'll have something to uh, to show and to talk about. So, uh, yeah, that would be great to catch up once he's done, once he's finished in the desert. And there's just one other thank you I want to throw in this week uh, to Matt Graham, who does our editing, because uh, Matt puts in a lot of work. We almost never mention him and thank him, and we should. So thank you, Matt. We really appreciate well, it. We should. And he's he's not on Twitter. <laughs> not on Twitter, Matt. But he lives on Facebook. Um, that's it for this week. Thanks, dude. Uh, next week, uh, show is the last before we go to NAB, and then we'll be at NAB. We'll be doing the NAB show on the Thursday after the Red Day on the Wednesday. Um, if you're going to be in town, we'd love, to, as I say, for you to see, drop by the booth, say hi. Uh, please, like, you know, say something to us. If you listen to the show, come up and you'll see Jason. Uh, he'll obviously be surrounded by, you know, sort of well-wishers and, and uh, just muscle in and say, hi, I'll be off at the side trying to find a latte. Um, that's it for this week. Until next time, uh, which, as I say, will be in two weeks. We're doing the show pretty much two weeks uh, apart at the moment. Um, I'm Mike Simmel. Thank you so much. I'm Jason Wingrove. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us red at fxguide.com. Copyright 2010, FX Guide, LLC.